Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What is going on, everybody? This is Mark Cardula, lead faculty and founder here at Modern Pain Care, and coming at you this week for another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast. And this week, I thought a good idea to talk about a, a kind of a concept that I hear discussed on social media and some kind of way we should aspire to, to practice as clinicians. And I think sometimes it's just this nebulous term of what does it mean? Like, what, what does it mean? And the, the term we're thinking about is person-centered care. And I think, you know, I've heard some criticisms of it. I've heard, you know, folks talk about, well, we need to just really embrace this thought of, of person-centered care. And then I've heard patients say, well, you know, isn't it always person, patient-centered care? Shouldn't it always be that way? Which I kind of agree with them on that. But um, maybe there's some systemic things in healthcare and some other things that kind of move it away from person-centered care. And, and there's some challenges that we'll probably discuss in today's podcast about what makes it challenging for a clinician to maintain person-centered care when there's other demands they have um, professionally, you know, and financially and different things that, you know, sometimes aren't pleasant to talk about, but are influencers definitely on what we, what we have to do in the clinic. So, but before we have that discussion, let's see how our co-host is doing today. How are you doing, Jared Hall? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to believe it or not, stay dry out here in Texas. We went like a, well, like two and a half months without a drop of rain in Fort Worth. And then all of a sudden uh, the bottom falls out in one day and we have flooding and, you know, people's cars are underwater and all this sort of stuff. Uh, it was just, it's the wildest thing. So, uh, you know, just, you know, doing the normal thing and dealing with the weather and hoping my house doesn't flood. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I've seen the, uh, you know, media coverage of it and, you know, Phoenix it hasn't really had that bad of it, but we get like the monsoons that hit here, which, is interesting. It looks like somebody literally just pulls a trap door and like water just pours out of clouds and it comes down in buckets when it does. And I've, we've, you know, occasionally had the same thing where under underpasses of freeways where it's a little low spots, there'll be cars just kind of, you see the rooftops of them just chilling there because people make the not bright uh, decision to, to tr try to traverse through these waters. But yeah, no, uh, sad to see that some folks are really struggling with it. And I know it's, it's really wreaked havoc over there in Texas. So hopeful folks are doing well over in that neck of the woods. Um, never fun when mother nature does what she does sometimes for sure. Um, so person-centered care, man, I know we, we've kind of bandied that uh, term around ourselves as far as like really trying to say, Hey, that's how we should be practicing as clinicians and really focusing it and making it be about the person in front of us, not, about the letters behind our name or whatever technique we learned last weekend on the course. I'm not saying those things can't play a role and we'll, we'll probably have those discussions, but you know, I think it just, it gets maybe this again, blanket term of what we should be doing yet. Nobody really kind of explains it. Well, there's some articles and I'll link some that in a discussion of, of maybe what um, person centered care might mean and, and look like, but it also gets influenced by, you know, we've been fortunate enough to kind of partner with cause health, which, um, they, they've done a lot of work on like really bringing humans narratives back into healthcare and how, um, traditional research where it's very, um, you know, imperial, you know, empirical, you know, everything needs to be objectified yet a human experience is There's a lot of unique humans. I, I hate to even use the word subjectivity to it, but the, you know, the person's story and narrative really becomes important data in an encounter when you really give it 
the stage to have, you know, that, that instead of just, you know, stripping encounters to algorithmic thinking of, you know, test clusters and stuff. Not that again, those things are wrong. It just, you, you'll lose unique human stuff if you just get stuck in this kind of normative algorithmic, you know, kind of objectifying everything to the point you, you lose that narrative in there. And I think that's part of the problems with a lack of person-centered care. But what are you, when you hear person-centered care, Jared, I want you to go off on a, a, a you know, and have it all figured out and explained here within five minutes, please. Um, what do you think about when you think about person-centered care when it comes in the clinic? Man, well, I think the first thing I think about is um, maybe some of the, you know, mis, misattributed concepts of, of person-centered care. And, you know, the another term that goes along with that all the time is patient-focused care. And, and I think where people trip up on these a lot of the time are two different avenues on person-centered care or patient-focused care. What ends up happening is um, even though it, it's the exact opposite of what sh- should happen, there's just a lot of stuff done to the patient, right? Just done to the person. So it's a, it's a lot of treating down at, at the person. So person-centered care is like a whole bunch of healthcare providers around a person doing stuff to them. Like, the, hey, we're all working on this per- this person. This patient is at the center of all of our care. Or the other, you know, kind of slippery slope of, well, I'm very patient focused or I'm very person centered. So I just do whatever they tell me, right? That person tells me that they like ultrasound. So we're just going to do ultrasound for 40 visits in a row. Or that person tells me like they, they need a a epidural steroid injection. So we're just going to do epidural steroid injections or whatever it is. Right. So it's the flip side of that where um, a lot of people like to say that they're patient focused because they really listen to their patients and they just do whatever that patient's preferences are blindly. Uh, well, my patient told me that they like massage on their low back. It doesn't matter that I've done it for a hundred visits in a row over the last, you know, two years or whatever it is. So th- that's where I think that it, it slips up. But when I think about what patient centered care should be, um, the image that I get in my head is uh, a healthcare provider and a patient sitting down at a, at a table having an equal discussion with each other, uh, and they're both bringing their their background and their expertise to that discussion. The healthcare provider is bringing their background and experience with a whole bunch of patients in the past and their education and their knowledge and their understanding of research and that sort of thing. And that that person is bringing their experiences with treatment in the past, whatever their history is, what are whatever their beliefs and their expectations are, what they have seen work for them in the past, what they haven't seen work for them in, in the past, and you know some of their preferences and, and that sort of thing. So that person-centered care has to be an open-ended, free-flowing discussion between a healthcare provider and a person that that person that's experiencing pain or that person that has had an injury and coming to, you know, kind of a buzzword, shared decision-making on what's the right direction for them. And this doesn't mean that the healthcare provider just blindly does whatever the patient says. And it doesn't mean that the the patient or the person just has to accept whatever the healthcare provider says is, well, this is what, you know, best evidence says, or this is what my experience tells me is going to work for you. Um, 
there's a little bit of a discussion. There is coming to an agreed upon decision for the direction of care. There's constant reflective, open-ended questions about how is this working? You know, how are you feeling about this? Do you think that this is helpful? Do you think that we should change directions? What if um, I know that you like a little bit of this, but I, I think that maybe you also need a little bit of that. Can we maybe mix those two things together? Or can we, you know, um, figure out a direction to go that we both agree on, that we both think is going to be helpful and it's going to meet both of our expectations. Uh, so I guess I see that person-centered care a lot more as a, a discussion of equals um, with different expertises, determining which direction maybe maybe care should go together. And sometimes the patient has to say, no, you know what, healthcare provider, that's not the direction I want to go. I know that you're telling me that X, Y, and Z would probably be better for me, but I don't like needles or I don't like doing that type of exercise or I don't, you know, I don't want to have surgery right now or no, I don't like um, pharmaceuticals. I don't like medications. I don't want to do that. And the healthcare provider says, okay, cool. Well, let's explore different options. And then also, you know, when a patient is maybe dead set on a treatment that is not going to be helpful for them, the healthcare provider says, hey, you know, like I, I know that you've had experience with that in the past and and I recognize that you, you felt like that was helpful. Um, you know, maybe since you're seeing me again and it, it didn't really take care of that issue for you, we could explore some different options. And if those different options aren't aren't helping or working, like we can always come back and re-explore this thing that, you know, you're wanting this ultrasound or this Reiki or whatever it is. Right. So it's just gotta be this, um, you know, uh, the, the whole concept of the inner subjective third space, the John, the John Quitner mindset, uh, to, to really feel like this is truly patient centered or person centered care. I don't know. Did I ramble too much, Mark? Or, uh, no, no. We, we, rambling is fully endorsed here on the podcast, but no, no I thought you, you, you hit it well. I think um, that third space that you mentioned that kind of really considering that the person in front of you carries expertise that you do not carry as a clinician. They are the only ones who have walked in their shoes. They're the only ones that has their unique life experiences. They're the only one that has unique expectations, beliefs, and, and behaviors that you need to give stage and, and use that as, as legit data in what you do and what the decisions you make in clinic and, and stepping back to think, what is a person? And I think truly in the way I looked at it from a, just like clinical aspect early in my career is they are, they are joint glides. They are, you know, movements, range of motion. They are, you know, manual muscle tests. That's the way I kind of understood that human in front of me was just through this objectification and really trying to figure out, What's going on? Yet we see the data has you know been been there for quite a bit, but you know, I think we're obviously being more and more aware that what is predictive of a person who's in pain and, and distress is a lot more than what their bones, joints, and muscles are telling us. Now, sometimes they can inform things, and again, we we don't necessarily not use those bits of information, but we really expand our understanding of that person. Of again, things we talked about, you know, what's what's been your past experience. We talk about it, uh, you know, adverse childhood events and how that can influence people's risk of developing persistent pain issues. And maybe, you you, you know, when you get established a rapport with a patient and you introduce some of those discussions when it's clear that they've been through some traumas or um, maybe you're trying to see if they can help connect some dots of why their body's, you know, you know, maladaptively dysregulating in, in various multiple systems besides just the 
MSK system, but being willing to look at the whole person in front of you. And one of the helpful things um, that, uh, you know, we've found and one of our friends, Matt Lowe, uh, kind of introduced to is this vector model of really stacking up all these kind of unique human factors. And part of them can be, um, you know, what we spoke about last po- podcast, some of these lifestyle factors of how well is our sleep? You know, are we getting adequate and sufficient nutrition? Are we, you know, doing good stress management, um, you know, mental health type um, issues? Are we having adequate, you know, movement um, throughout the day? And then are we, you know, maintaining good social connection in the world? Um, and, and, you know, I think you could look at those big broad categories. And again, there's probably a lot of variables and factors within each of those categories, but I think person-centered care is again, swallowing your ego as a, as a clinician to take this paternalistic, I talk down on the patient, they listen to me or they don't get care. Like they don't want their pharmaceutical, then go see somebody else. Cause this is what I do, which obviously, and I'm sure we've all had patients where they didn't have a great, um, you know, interaction with healthcare because it became very apparent that their voice wasn't being part of the part of the discussion. It was, this is what I do. If you don't do it, get out. Uh, or, you know, and they were ostracized and all these different things, which, uh, you know, I hopefully it wasn't to that point, but I know there were points where I just was missing huge parts of what was going on with people and wanting to shove these musculoskeletal dysfunctions and functional limitations in parents, which again, again, I'm not saying we shouldn't look for some of that stuff. It's just, you know, we can't reduce very complex issues to simple musculoskeletal concepts, which is kind of what we end up trying to do. I know when you're early in your career, man, uh, it's already been complex enough when I'm just focusing on the MSK kind of parts of it. Now you're asking me to get into a lot more of this mental health stuff. It's a tough kind of inner or, you know, in, you know, journey to kind of engage, you know, inner, I'm looking for the word here. I can't talk apparently this morning, but to, to pull those things into our practice and get good at, at looking at bigger picture stuff and complex human dynamic system based things, but that's the people we serve, man. We don't have a choice. We, the people are complex and they bring a lot of variables to the table and you don't want to be that clinician who stays in their little musculoskeletal bubble because they don't feel comfortable delving into the whole person stuff. That is kind of ugly. That's kind of sometimes can't be is, is uncomfortable discussions and things, but man, you get good at being able to open the doors to, to helping people connect some dots or like, and I mean, those aha moments that some people have, I mean, are some of the most rewarding, you know, clinical experiences I've ever had to where they kind of start seeing that, gosh, it's more than just my x-ray. It's more than my MRI that's been trapping me to not move forward because everybody's got me convinced that I got degenerating whatever. I mean, we can all probably share war stories on some of the crud that people get stuck into um, from well-meaning discussions. I've probably done it myself, unbeknownst to myself or unintentionally early in my career when I tried to reduce everything to these like simple musculoskeletal concepts. But um, what do you think that the challenges are? I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're in the trenches too with DPT students as am I, and I see sometimes it's just, I can't, they're not ready to hear <laughs> the complexity. So I've had to like harness it a little bit just because, Hey, these guys got to pass boards. They got to get to where they're a point where they're a sufficient, you know, safely practicing practitioner. Um, and I, to me, it's, uh, and I'll, I'll leave my kind of thoughts. I want to hear where you're at with it, but it's, it's almost something where you need to find somebody early in your career who can help you start integrating this stuff um, and, and maybe get a mentor who like truly understands what person-centered care is. Cause everybody's going to say, yeah, I'm patient centered, but then you hear them just, you know, interrogate the human body from a, like a car and not really get into some of the stuff we spoke about today, but where, where you're, where's your head at with all that, Jared? 
Yeah, I mean, it kind of circles back around to the the concerns that I had earlier. The the things that I see with students right now, in particular, are um, you know, one group of students is or young young clinicians. I don't want to just say students because it's not uh, are just going to blindly do whatever the patient says if if you know they prefer, and then the the other group of students or young professionals or maybe not even young professionals is just going to treat down at patients and say, Nope, uh, I know what's best for you. I am the doctor. I am, you know, the provider of healing and healthcare. Uh, this is what you need. You need these wiggles. You need that press. You need this poke. You need this, uh, spinal hygiene routine or whatever it is as a throwback to our previous episode. Uh, you, you need, Whatever it is that I'm telling you you need, and it doesn't matter what your history or your past or your expectations or your preferences are. Um, so I, I, those are the big, you know, the, the black and white dichotomy, right? That's the, that's the, the split that I see in general. And, um, you know, I don't think very many people uh, can get to the point of having a really good concept of what person-centered care looks like in practice without either a pretty long, hard road of screwing up and figuring out that out themselves over the course of thousands of patient interactions and lots of education and, and lots of exposure and that sort of stuff, or some form of mentorship, some form of, you know, kind of guidance and, and feedback along the way. Uh, so mentorship is definitely the the faster, probably more efficient route, but that's really hard to find. There's not just people pop, popping around all over the place that have a have a strong concept of, of what this looks like. I think that we're rapidly getting more people. We're rapidly getting more clinicians that are speaking this language and looking through this lens, but they're still not, they're still not, you know, the, the majority by any means. Um, and then the other, like I said, the other route is it's a little bit longer, harder, more arduous journey. And I think that that's the one that you and I probably had to go on. Um, you, we've, we've had some good mentorship along the way, but no, nothing that probably is that, that, that mentorship that we're talking about right now specific to this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've shared my story a, a bit, but I, even in fellowship, I, I had great mentors who were amazing at looking people through a musculoskeletal lens and then they, you know, oh yeah, I, I do the psychosocial stuff, but it, there, it became apparent that there, there wasn't much ways to bring that discussion or those type of um, topics into the clinical treatment of when they're masterfully, you know, monkeying with the musculoskeletal system as well. Um, so yeah, no, I think it is that journey where sometimes you just got to screw up and, um, you know, struggle and see what's working and what falls flat. Have patients who don't come back pack to see a visit too, because you you inadvertently said something that did not uh, sit well with them. Um, it, it happens. Um, and but again, that's the you know, don't look at it as like I'm a horrible clinician. Is like I'm somebody who's growing as a clinician. Who that has happened to every clinician, and uh, anybody who tells you that that's not happened to them is is you know feeding you a line of BS just because. Um, that, that is just the reality of human. You're going to have people that, you know, your colleague next to you, uh, has an amazing connection with and does well with, and you fall flat with day one. And that's okay. I think sometimes it's just, you know, we're unique people that sometimes you're going to hit it off and establish a good therapeutic relationship with somebody. And some people you really struggle with that. And I've had times where I've said, Hey, you know, maybe you might be a better fit. You know, just, it became apparent that there were some challenges and 
Um, you know, I'd like, I'd love to see if we can get you to see X, you know, so-and-so clinician. I think they're going to be a, a good fit. I think they do. They, they fall in line a little bit more with, more with what you're looking for. Maybe it's somebody who does needling. I don't do needling. Um, which yeah, I'm not against it. It's just, I don't really have the zest to, to add it to the repertoire as it's not really anything I'm I've yet to be impressed with that adds amazing value, um, beyond just its popularity. But again, I'm probably just peeved some people off. So watch out. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think, um, uh, making it about the person in front of you, uh, in, in just, you know, having that as a conscious thought process as you enter clinical encounters, you know, being humble and realizing it's the privilege you have to interact and engage somebody in, a, in their life when they're dealing with some of this stuff and take it as a privilege and really, you know, make sure you let that patient demonstrate their expertise every time they're in the clinic with you. It's not all about you. Um, you can make it all, if you make it all about the patient in front of you and that nuance, of course, we're not just bowing to every, you know, rubber ultrasound rubber or e-stim request. I mean, but sometimes we might meet somebody in the middle on some of those requests and we can probably have those discussions at a future podcast. So how do you deal with that stuff? We know we've had some discussions of that in the past when somebody's, you know, demanding care that maybe not is the highest on the evidence-based pyramid and, and maybe not be the way in the long run we think they're going to get there, but how do we have those discussions to respect their expertise and their experience with it? I think there's definite ways we can, we can st still have a patient who's feeling like they're getting listened to and heard and still moving people in, in modes that are getting them to their valued goals. But what, what do you think um, people need to be doing? Um, what do they need to be reading? What should they be studying if they want to really get good at what we've considered person, person based or person centered care? I should say, I can't even say it. Um, it just because I think sometimes in, in PT school and even early career, we get focused on RCTs and, you know, these, these textbooks and my, my weekend course that just has got me with 14 billion more techniques to put in my toolbox. What do you think would be some things that people should be thinking about? Might be worthwhile reads or worthwhile things to look into to, to help them kind of round out their, their approach here? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> probably some of the, the key resources that come to mind are uh, everything that Cause Health has has put out, you know, everybody associated with that group. That's a it's a fairly long list of names, but, you know, we could we could post uh, some links to those folks and some of their material in uh, the show notes, um, you know, reading things that uh are being put out by people like um, pain psychologists, like maybe Rachel Zoffness, that sort of thing. She has a she has a really good pain workbook, and she's been on some great podcasts and that sort of thing. And understanding, you know, that there's a there's another component that goes deeper to uh, this patient centered care uh, thing. You know, we we mentioned Matt Lowe already. Uh, I think that there's a lot of good people doing uh, doing things out there. You know, I think Ben Cormack has a, a mentorship type program where he's going over some of this stuff and doing a good job as well. You know, we know, we know Ben from, from years and years ago, and he, he, he's doing a good job on this. Of course, um, shameless self-promotion. I think that we do a pretty good job uh, of focusing on this. So some of the, uh, the modern pain care, uh, coursework and some of the mentorship stuff that we've done where you have consistent feedback and, and, and touch points with people to get interaction and to get, uh, to get reflection and, and, and guidance and that, that sort of thing. Um, um, I think, you know, there's, I don't know, there's just a, there's just a laundry list. What do you, what do you have to add to that, Mark? No, I think it, you bring up a good thing because we actually just recently, and I don't even think I told you this, man, but I had talked to the folks at Cause Health. We had done a, like a little virtual summit with them as a lot of the folks out of Cause Health with 
unpacking the complexity of evidence, which just basically showed how some philosophical issues that exist when we just look at patient care through this imperialistic RCT based way of looking at humans, how it sometimes can miss the source. So check out our, on our courses page, modernpaincare.com. On our courses page, you'll see that there's free access to our unpacking the complexity of evidence. Um, I talked to the folks at Cost House. They're like, yes, push this thing out. We It had been a charged we, thing, you know, way back when. Um, but I just, it's such pearls of wisdom. We had uh, Gillette Belton and Tina Price, two patients who put some amazing presentations together. We had Mick Thacker, Matt Lowe, Ronnie Lil Anium, uh, David Nichols, Matt, uh, you know, just a bunch of great people, Fiona Moffat. Um, Jerry Durham was involved, which, you know, people, it was, he was great too. We had a, a great discussion with Jerry as far as how he, you know, looks at the patient experience and really brings the patient's preferences into, into, uh, account when he's doing some of the work he does with clinicians and clinics. Um, so yeah, check that out. I think, and we'll, I think in there, there's a link, the cause health book. It's a free ebook that really will have you thinking about what truly is data in a clinical encounter and how traditional ways of looking at research and evidence really have missed the boat on really keeping people's narratives and their experiences and their beliefs as part of the clinical encounter and how it kind of can get shoved to the side of not being expertise. Um, but if you think about it the way that folks in cause health have really, you know, championed, um, you'll, you'll start putting that patient more at the center of things and some of the humanities will re-enter your healthcare encounters instead of, you know, over objectification and, and biomedicalism that again, isn't bad in of itself, but if it's strictly there and the only way you're looking through the lens of patient care, you're going to miss a lot of stuff that we now know has a great impact on how people navigate through painful issues. So hopefully that was helpful for you guys today. Um, I think some good discussions were had, but we'd love to hear where you're at with it. What does patient care mean to you? You know, uh, where do you feel like where are the holes? What are things we're doing good? What are things we can do better? Did we miss anything on today's podcast? Chime in on our Facebook page or our Instagram feed. We'd love to hear where you're at with it. Um, and we will definitely look to respond to you. Don't hesitate to reach out to Jared or I on social media. We love nerding out on these type of discussions. So we'd be happily or happily have some of these discussions with you if you're having any questions or challenges in your practice. But we'll leave it at that this week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode and we will talk to you next week. This has been another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast with Dr. Mark Karchula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also, visit the Pain Masterminds Network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast.